Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. This Thursday, um, a lot happening in the world of sports um, and a lot to touch on today, including the hot button topic across even, you know, the w- worldwide sports, even, you know, surpassing basketball right now, or even the Aaron Rodgers drama, the NFL is, is Tom Wilson uh, and the New York Rangers and everything that's, you know, happened in the past 48 hours, just, you know, pandemonium and craziness. And I'm going to get into all of it this morning, uh, give you my take on it, get uh, the firing of John Davidson, talk about James Dolan and just his idiocy. Uh, but so I'm going to get into that. Uh, but also, you know, just a, a little housekeeping. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, I did a podcast um, last night. So Wednesday with uh, Jason Bennett. He's a, an old friend that I uh, reconnected with last night. We talked about our top 10 most interesting athletes in sports. And it was a, it was a fun podcast. So check that out. And also over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be releasing um, some podcasts. These will likely be solo, maybe um, a guest. And I'm just going to be talking about um, the divisional breakdowns of the NFL and where teams stand right now after the draft and free agency. Um, You know, a lot's changed. Um, Some teams remain the same, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, are returning all 22 starters that they had in the Super Bowl to their roster, which is just unheard of. But, you know, there still could be some changes. Obviously, I, I mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers, who could still be moved. Um, there's a possibility Deshaun Watson gets traded this offseason. But rosters are getting close to, you know, uh, training camp, which is in late July. But I thought I'd do that, um, go through each division, talk about the teams, uh, and maybe do two divisions for per podcast. But, you know, the NFL is something that I don't mind doing the research on um, and, and bringing my takes because it's, I think it's the most interesting sport in North, in the world, uh, let alone North America. But it, um, a lot, maybe a lot still happens. I hope so, because I love talking about the NFL and I'll talk about the Aaron Rodgers and a few other things in this podcast, but um, that's going to be coming Likely start those next week. So uh, keep your eyes and ears tuned for that. And also I'm still working on getting some more guests uh, like Doug McLean, um, getting some traction. So we'll see, but um, lots more coming. If um, there's not a big guest, well, I'm always here to uh, do these solo shows and you can hear me uh, ramble on about specific topics for, for an hour or so. So um, lots, lots of content coming, uh, you know, no matter in which, whatever way it comes, you'll be hearing from me. So let's start the podcast today talking about Tom Wilson. Now, if you've listened to me before, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tom Wilson and I love the way he plays the game. Uh, I think he plays on the edge. Does it, does he go over the edge? Sure. I think the hit on Oscar Sundquist where he got the 20 game suspension. I think that was deserved. Um, I talked about the Brandon Carlos suspension about a month ago. I don't think he should have been suspended. He got a seven game suspension. I think that was more reputation than anything. His first point of contact was not the head. Nevertheless, that's over. He served it. That's fine. So we head into Monday where it's the Capitals Rangers. They do have a history. The Rangers and cap played multiple times in the playoffs the Rangers beat the Capitals in the second round, game seven, double overtime in their run to the to the final in 2014. So these two, and, you know, the divisional rivals, so, you know, they have some stakes in the ground, so to speak. And so Monday night, Washington, uh, in the, they're in a tight battle, but Washington gets ahead in the game. And there's a scrum. And Pavel Buchnevich is kind of tangling with Wilson. Wilson knocks him to the ground. And he's kind of laying on his back and he gives him a little shot in the shoulder. Now I heard a lot of people say it was, he punched him in the back of the head. That's incorrect. Go back and watch the video. He did not punch him. In the, it was not even a malicious punch. If Tom Wilson wanted to hurt Buchnevich on the ground. He would have uh, because he was in a defenseless position and he could have just drove his skull into the ice, which he did not do. Nevertheless, there's a scrum. Uh, should have Wilson gave him a shot on the ground? Probably not, but it wasn't malicious. So, Artemi Panarin's tangled up at the same time. And as everybody knows, Artemi Panarin is a superstar in the league. And leagues love to protect their superstars. I don't blame them. They're the breadwinners. They bring in ratings. They bring in revenue. Uh, And Panarin's got no helmet because of the scrum. And 
for some reason, he decides to jump on the back of Tom Wilson like a baby koala. And first of all, two quick, quick points. Panarin, I get it. You want to help your team, but you're not helping your teammate. You're doing it for show more than anything. And number two, you're jumping on a guy's back with no helmet on. That's not just, that's not smart. So what does Wilson do? He doesn't look to see who it is. He just says, well, somebody's on my back. He grabs Panarin and throws him off his back, then starts to ragdoll him a little bit. And yes, Panarin did not have his helmet on. He could have hit his head on the ice. He could have been a bloody mess, but it did not happen that way. And suspension shouldn't be handed out based on injury. I'll say that till the cows come home. You could see a same hit and a guy could break his leg or a guy could walk it off. The, the injury should not dictate the suspension, even though it does, I think, a lot of the time. Anyway, Panarin, he's injured on the play. Um, it, it's We find out after the game he's out for the rest of the season. But again, context is everything. The Rangers have three games left. And David Quinn said it was a huge blow to our team. You have three games left. You're out of playoff contention. So uh, it's a mail-in anyway. He's got no I don't believe the injury if he has one. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, well, a little scrum. I, I didn't think anything of it. Then you go to Twitter. You know, it's as if the Germans have invaded Poland. Uh, it's pandemonium on NHL Twitter where people, this is why Tom Wilson was on my top 10 most interesting athletes list because the guy's polarizing. People love him or they hate him. And you need people you hate in sports. The people that are, van- no, not vanilla because vanilla is a good flavor. People that are moon mist. Moon mist is that shitty flavor that nobody, just the people that you do that do like it. You're like, ugh, those people are weird. It's that shitty, you bite into it, and you're like, ugh, this tastes like crap. That's the people that bring nothing to the table when it comes to entertainment value or media. They're moon mists. They're just there. Um, Tom Wilson, he's going to give you something, positive or negative, and people will want to talk about it. And he's a polarizing figure. But on Twitter, it's a bloody murder. And Tom Wilson's just, oh, he's a Neanderthal. And, uh, you know, he's just running rough shot over the league. Okay. But I thought this would just die. You know, people go on Twitter and they bitch and complain and they're wrong a lot and whatever. And even people in the media are, you know, they, they have a, such a hatred. I, I think they honestly do this subconsciously to make themselves seem better, sound better. Oh, we don't condone violence and we don't like violence. And uh. but you know what those people are? They're the hurt feelings crowd. I think the, what the younger people call now butt hurt. That's what the, the heart, the hurt feelings crowd. That's what I call them. The Karens. The, I think we need to insert a man's name for being, um, you know, not tough, which you could probably put Noah in the mix because of this Bible name. Uh, but I don't want to put Noah because that's my name. But if somebody does use it, I mean, on the tough scale, I'd definitely be on the bottom end of it. But I, lo- I love tough players. But we'll say because he's my buddy, and because we'll, we'll go with we'll go with Karen and Seamus, just because Seamus is my co-host, and I, I love the guy to death. But we'll do that just as a joke today. So Karen, the Karen and Seamuses of the world, they hate violence, and oh, I'd never let my kid play that sport, and, and like, come on, the NHL is so much cleaner than it used to be. I guess if you want that per- picture perfect league, just watch the Toronto Maple Leafs games because they played, I think, 52. 40 of them, there hasn't been a hit. So just tune into those games. Riveting. Um, but nevertheless, next day it comes out. People are expecting a suspension of Tom Wilson. And I'm like, what? For this? What? Why? And, you know, Zabinajag comes out and says, oh, this guy's – a menace and he's dangerous and you know, whatever. So it comes out NHL is fine. Tom Wilson, $5,000. Now this guy's been suspended five times previous. He's got a history, but again, yes, he's got a history, but this was not egregious. If, if a guy jumped on your back when you're outside doing lawn work, are you just going to let him do it? Are you going to throw him off? 
and maybe throw them around if you're stronger. When you have a, a younger cousin and he's being a little bitch and you're like, you're sick of him, what do you do? You just let him? No, you chuck him off. That's what Panarin was. He was the redheaded stepchild in this, um, in this scenario where you just said, get off me. And he threw him. And you know, it was like Panarin was like having a little tantrum and Wilson's the, uh, the stepdad who doesn't know, you know, when they when not to cross the line, but it anyway, comes up $5,000 fine. And Oh, it's people are pissed off and I love it. And I, I love chaos. And I love when people that are wrong get proven wrong. He should not have been suspended. I don't think he, he shouldn't have been fined, but whatever, five grand, He's got that in cash in his couch. Who can ship that to Jerry Bettman, put that on his front front lawn. But then the Rangers, Tuesday nights, about Tuesday, about six o'clock, the Rangers release a statement. And they say, Well, we we you know, we feel Tom Wilson bearing his history. He's a violent player and he's he's a danger on, on the on the ice. And we feel the NHL Department of Player Safety dropped the ball. And they call for George Ferros to be fired. Basically, put his head on a stake. We're done with this guy. But George, this is a huge deal for a number of reasons. George Peros, he's a league employee, meaning he works for Gary Bettman. He works for Colin Campbell. He's, you know, daily. He works for these guys. He's a league employee. And second of all, he really, he works for the New York Rangers in a sense because they pay one thirty-second of his salary. So they're bitching. And um, I, I, I see this. I'm, obviously, there's so much more we're going to do this. We take up most of the podcast today. But they are going to have, I think they're going to get fined heavily, the New York Rangers. You cannot call in a public forum like Twitter, which is where they released a statement to fire George Peros. Do I think the Department of Player Safety can do a better job? Yes, I can. Um, I think when a player is suspended, they should release a video showing the play and demonstrate why it's a suspendable play. Go through the video replay, slow it down, release it on Twitter or you know wherever, uh, a medium where most of your fan base gets a view of it. And he, the Peros or whoever it is can talk through it and say, this is why this is crossing the line. This is why he's suspended. And I think that would eliminate a lot of gray area. Would there still be people pissed? Yes. But now for the people that think Wilson should be suspended, they're just like, well, what the hell? If you had a bit of context, then it would eliminate a lot of the confusion on the topic. And at least you'd have, okay, this is why they're doing this. And even me, I'm not going to accept that all the time because I'm not going to agree with somebody 100% of the time, but at least I have a general idea of where they're coming from on the issue. Um, so I think they can get better at that. And Peros, I think you should speak to the media every now and then and um, talk about different suspensions and different plays he doesn't like in the game because we know nothing about George Peros. We know he won a Stanley Cup in 07. He was a fighter and he's got a mustache. That's all I know about George Peros. I don't know what he, the daily basis of a department of player safety. I'd love to get a member of them on, which I might try to do because I think it's something you don't hear a lot about and what their day to day is like. I mean, they got to watch all these games and look at egregious hits. So it's definitely a tough job. So they released that statement. And so that's nothing's come of it yet. I, I suspect that this is just a prediction I, I think that the New York Rangers will be fined $1.5 to $2 billion for, for this. I honestly do. Um, the Sharks got, I, I believe, fifty grand, and that was back in the 2013 playoffs when Rafi Torres was suspended 20 games for criticizing the league. And they did it at a much more um, professional level, and they weren't as critical. This is just telling you know, you're, the guy you have running – Department of Public Safety is unfit and he's unqualified and he's no good at what he does. That's a direct shot at Gary Bettman and Colin Campbell and the guys who hire him. 
And these are guys, the lawyers with big egos. They're not going to take that well. So I think $1.5 to $2 million fine is coming the way uh, to the New York Rangers, which is chump change, but it's a big deal in the, in the grand scheme because it sets a precedent. So that's a, that's a prediction. So Wednesday night, I'm like, okay, well, tonight, Rangers, Capitals, um, they play again. I suspect there's going to be a fight for sure. Um, I look at who's going to fight Wilson. I, I, I think Brendan Smith, but I'm like, eh, he's going to get his tail whacked, but at least he's, at least he stands up. But before we even get to the game, it's about 3.30, 4 o'clock. I'm at work, and I hear this buzz on my phone. I look. The New York Rangers have fired general manager Jeff Gordon and president of hockey operations John Davidson. Now, first of all, bombshell. Did not see this coming whatsoever. And, you know, John Davidson is such a respected figure in the hockey world. He's worked for the NHL uh, when it comes to player safety and when it comes to CBA, uh, collective bargaining agreements, he uh, was in Columbus for the longest time. He left Columbus really at the altar. They're looking to resign him. He goes to New York thinking, okay, I'm going to go there, become the president, take that Brian Burke role, turn this franchise around. They released a statement that they're going to rebuild and it's been a successful one. They, they catch a couple of breaks with draft lotteries, getting Kako at number two and Alexi Lafreniere at number one. But they got a nucleus of players. Zabinijad looks, um, he's turned it around. A great trade when you look at it. Zabinijad for Brassard, straight up. Uh, you got uh, Shesterkin, who looks like a goalie that's got some promise. Adam Fox may win the Norris Trophy. Um, Ryan, Ryan Lindgren, I still think, has a lot. You got Condry Miller. They got a nucleus of young players. And they got some some guys that Buznevich, uh, they have guys that contribute. So it, it's a stunner to me because, you know, James Dolan comes out after. And if you don't know James Dolan, just a little, give you a little info on James Dolan. James Dolan has owned the New York Knicks since the 1980s, early, late 1980s. And since owning the New York Knicks, they have been, a moribund franchise. And what I mean by that is they've been a, a doormat. They've been terrible. The Big Apple, you know, New York. You hear about New York. They haven't won a championship since the 70s. The New York Knicks. They've won one playoff series since 2013. To put this in, it, you think in New York, like, well, this stable franchise, they're, they're going to be great. The New York Knicks have been the Arizona Coyotes when it comes to stable management. They've had six head coaches in the last eight seasons in New York. They go through players like it's nothing. They traded for Carmelo Anthony. It was a disaster. They, they've tried to, they brought in Phil Jackson, you know, a, a legend. He was terrible. He didn't care. It's been brutal. They're just starting to turn the corner. He's on the Rangers for a long period of time too. But to me, he comes out and says, well, I feel we underperformed this season. And I, I really think about it. How could you think you underperformed? You missed the playoffs in the toughest division to make the playoffs. And if somebody wants to fight me on that, you're wrong, but we can have that discussion. Um, it's, I mean, I'm not even going to bring up Canada. It's, it's a non-starter. Um, Central, yeah, you got three top. You look at the two other divisions, the West, Top heavy in the four seed is way behind. So is the Central. Nashville and Dallas are, are way behind Tampa and Florida and Carolina. So the closest log jam division is, is, the, is the East. Because you got Pittsburgh and Washington, but they're only up on the likes of Boston and, and the Islanders by five points. It's, it's a tight division. And the Rangers missed the playoffs after, you know, okay, the Islanders, they made it to conference final and second round the past two seasons. Pretty good team. Boston Bruins, perennial playoff team, Stanley Cup final two years ago. Not bad. Washington Capitals, again, perennial playoff team, Stanley Cup two seasons ago. And then you got the Pittsburgh Penguins who have made the playoffs, I believe, 15 straight years. And you got Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and they're still pretty good. So wh where are you making it? And James Dolan fires people just for the sake of firing them. And I think they had some stable management. 
yes, I mentioned they got they've gotten lucky, but they've drafted well. Keandre Miller looks like a stud. You get Adam Fox out of um, college. Ryan, Ryan Lindgren like has a lot of promise. Philip Hedel, I think, can develop and become a really good NHLer. So it doesn't make any sense to me other than James Dolan being idiotic. Now, this at first I'm like, well, maybe this had something to do with the statement. And it does and it doesn't for me as I really had, I had 24 hours. I was going to talk about this last night after the podcast with Jason. I said, no, I really want to think about this and bring a fresh sense this morning. And what my conclusion is, is the statement about George Peros, that was James Dolan. Because that, that didn't sound, John Davidson would never sign off on them sending that. I, I know John David, I don't, I, mean, I don't know him, but I know his character and the way he does business. He calls Gary Bettman and he has a t- conversation with him. Or he calls Colin Campbell or he calls Bill Daly. He would have his phone number. He's worked for the league. And you say, well, Gary, you know what? This shouldn't be happening. Five grand's not enough. And I need you to tell me why. Because I need my players to feel safe. And you know what? Yeah, we got three games left, but Panarin's not playing. And we need him, whatever, whatever the argument is. We can't have this next season. It could be chaos next season. You know, Bruaha. You know, let's try to avoid this. Tell me why he is not suspended. I think he does that. And Jeff Gordon's kind of an unknown. I've been a good general manager since he's been there. But I look at John Davidson and say, he's not releasing that statement. That was James Dolan going to his social media guy who was like, well, my boss said it. I'm going to do it, whether it's smart or not, which can't blame. It's probably a kid doing it. And he's like, well, you know, send and it, it's this pandemonium but it was reported by elliot friedman that davidson and gordon had no idea that they were going to send that out and you know they were kind of distancing, distancing themselves from it because they really had no stamp on it but i think there's a bigger story here other than just underperforming maybe yesterday there was a a dispute where davidson and gordon came in and said james what the hell are you doing yeah, it's your team, but why are you releasing the statement? Because it looks like we did it, not you. And it looks poor on our front. You know, we got an original six team. We, you know, we, we stand for something and you're making us look like a joke right now, which I think they are. They do look like a joke saying, you know, this is the hill you're going to die on with George Peros. With, with this play, Tom Wilson, there's dirtier stuff every night. You would think the Matt Cook or the Rafi Torres hits in the past or even Tom Wilson, Oscar Sundquist, that's where you, you go for the juggler, not this, a play that was inconsequential and not dirty, in my opinion. But it tells you how ownership can really affect a team and it can ruin it. James Dolan, has, James Dolan banned Charles Oakley from Madison Square Garden. Now, if you're not a huge basketball fan, Charles Oakley was a god in New York still is Charles Oakley is he was a tough guy for the Knicks he was a tough guy in the NBA but he's a beloved figure he's a Tom Wilson he played on the edge when basketball when he could be physical that was Charles Oakley he would get in the get in the corners grit and grind and he was kicked out of the garden band a legend just craziness so that happens again. I don't, I think there's a bigger story here. Hopefully we have to know the details, um, but who knows? So that brings us into last night's game. And I thought there'd be some fireworks for sure. And boy, was there ever first, first shift of the game, opening face off, both teams send out their fourth lines, all three forwards fight. So there's three fights at the, you know, the second the puck drops and it's old school line brawl hockey. You see uh, Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway both kind of get the better of uh, Kevin Rooney and Philip DiGiuseppe and Carl Hagelin uh, kind of goes up, goes out on the other end. But this was, it was old school hockey. And 
I have no problem with it. Again, the people, the, the Seamuses and the Karens probably didn't like that last night. And yeah, it's maybe not the best look for the NHL, but this happens once a year and it's less and less now. The Rangers clearly did not like the Tom Wilson play, which if they didn't like it, that's no problem. But I'm glad that deal with it this way. Don't release the statement. Go on the ice and do something about it. Panarin's out three games. He's got a stiff neck. He's probably got a kink in the neck. It's not a huge injury. Um, so that those three fight, they're in the box. Then Tom Wilson comes out about 35 seconds later. The second he gets on the ice, he gets kind of blindsided by Brandon Smith because Brandon Smith chucks his gloves, catches him off guard, off kilter. And yet, you know, my boy Tom, he still gave it to Brandon Smith pretty good. But I give Brandon Smith a ton of credit for fighting Tom Wilson because who wants to fight Tom Wilson? Ryan Reeves would do it. I look at a lot of guys around the league, maybe Marcus Foligno, who's, who's a tough cat in Minnesota, but fighting Tom Wilson is not fun. And Brandon Smith did take some big bombs, but I give him credit for doing it. So the whole first period, there's six fights. At one point, there's six capital, six Rangers in the box. Over 100 penalty minutes in the first period. And pandemonium, it's old school hockey. And again, it's not, it's not going to be for everybody, but I would rather see something like this get handled on the ice. And it was lucky that they get to play each other the next game, but we see it can happen. In, in a smaller scale, Alex Edler hit the knee of Zach Hyman. Now, Edler was suspended two games. Next game, Simmons comes over to Edler and says, let's go. I don't think Edler had to fight Simmons because he had the two game suspension. Edler has never fought in his career and going up against Wayne Simmons, a pretty good heavyweight, but you know what? Credit to him. He took the fight. He took a beating and he wasn't going to let his teammate step in for him. Um, obviously Panarin was never going to fight. So you're re relying on your tougher teammates to, to do it for you in last night's case. But I do give the Rangers credit for, for fighting, for showing some, showing some life to their, to their uh, superstar teammate. But I, I could have done without the press release and, you know, ultimately the Caps get the win, but Tom Wilson left the game in the second period with an upper body injury. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fight, but he left the game. We see a couple guys get tossed. Ryan Strom get ejected from the game with about 12 minutes left in the third period. And to put a bow on this topic in the midst of all this chaos and the Rangers and the Capitals and what's going to happen, we see TJ Oshie get a hat trick and it was really emotional. He's crying on the bench. Nick Backstrom gave him a huge hug. Um, right after the goal, you see Carl Hagelin kiss his helmet on, on the bench on the bench. And this was really a huge game for TG Oshie because Tuesday, his dad passed away um, from Alzheimer's due to Alzheimer's. And if you remember when they won the cup, his dad was on the ice with him. Um, he had, I believe he's in his early fifties and he had already had Alzheimer's and it's such a you know, debilitating disease where you just forget memories and it's such a terrible, terrible disease, but Oshie was crying. And you could tell it was a big deal for him. And But he gets a hat trick and his teammates came around him and they all supported him. And what it shows me is, you know, the game is huge and all this is, but there's bigger things in the world than Tom Wilson's injury. You know, G.G. Oshie lost his dad early in life and he got to celebrate him last night. He, he did it for him. And... Also, the Capitals, through all this hysteria, they're now they're back into first place in the East. Pittsburgh and Washington have been going back and forth uh, the past um, week or so. Um, Washington does have a game in hand down the stretch here. Pittsburgh's back in action tonight against Buffalo. Uh, Washington's got Philly over the weekend. So it tells me Washington's a, a team that's connected. They're a really good team. Again, Ovechkin has, hasn't played in two weeks, and they're still winning. Kuznetsov uh, is on the COVID protocol list. But yet they continue to get wins. If this team's healthy and they still have this uh, camaraderie, they are a threat to win the Stanley Cup. 
It's point blank. I look at this team and say, in the East, I think they are the best team. I thought they'd finish first. I said that at the beginning of the year. And if they play a Boston or they lost to the Islanders last year, um, I think they're a better team than they were last year. They got Peter Laviolette behind the bench. I think he's a better coach than um, Todd Reardon was. I think this team's better suited for the Islanders. I think the Islanders are a tough out for sure because they're going to make it boring and they're going to make it tough on you. But whether it's Boston or whether it's the Islanders, I think Washington is well suited to go on a deep Stanley Cup playoff run because they know they're aging. They're going to lose players, potentially TJ Oshie to Seattle. This is one of the last kicks at the can to win another championship. And you can't bet against this team right now, the way, the way they're playing and the, you know, just their outlook on, on things. But what, what a, what a 48 hours, you know, Tom Wilson doesn't, doesn't get suspended and all this follows. Um, I think the last thing, uh, two things I want to hear about number one, how much does the uh, Rangers get fined? How, how, what's the dollar amount? And two, do we hear more about who released that statement? Does John Davidson or Jeff Gordon come out and say, well, what, what's like, what really happened here? And funny enough, they've already announced a new president and general manager. It's Chris Drury. He was the assistant GM for the past three seasons. He's a former New York Ranger, but he's now the president and general manager, um, which is a big title of both. Um, he's again, he's never been a general manager proper, been an AGM for a long time. So big responsibility for him. And maybe they just want, maybe they were worried Chris Jury was going to take a job in the off season if there's some firings, because I think there will be some. He's been interviewed before. I think he wanted this job, but again, his old alma mater, the Buffalo Sabres, maybe uh, Kevin Adams says, I need a president. Can you come take this job? Well, he gets both titles in New York and he's on a, he's in a place now where Gordon's done a lot of heavy lifting. They've given them a lot of good prospects now it's on him just kind of put the piece together and get this team back into a uh, playoff contention. So we'll see what happens, but you know, I love the drama a lot, a lot of fights last night, old school hockey, but big, big picture. There's not a team, including the New York Rangers in the NHL that would not take Tom Wilson on the roster today. And if there's an executive that said, yeah, I don't want him. You should be fired. Period. He is a unicorn like no other. He can skate. He can score 25 goals. He can fight. He half the league, half the league's afraid of him. And if somebody, even a fan of a team, you say, I wouldn't take a Tom Wilson. I'd be like, well, you really don't want your team to win then. Because this guy's that's what he does. He's a winner. He's tough. He just, he brings it all. But, you know, he kind of gets the last laugh in the end. Hopefully the injury isn't too serious. He's back on the ice real soon, but um, cr craziness for the last 48 hours when it comes to the Tom Wilson saga and uh, the New York Rangers asking for George, Her George Perez's head on a stake, uh, pretty much. Last night, a lot of NHL teams had ability to clinch a playoff spot. Few did, but one team that did was the Winnipeg Jets. They got off to Schneid. They, they had lost seven straight games. They looked lethargic. They looked terrible. But last night, they go into Calgary. They win the game 4-0. Hellebuck gets a shutout. He gets back, gets some confidence, and they clinch a playoff spot. And they move two points ahead of the Montreal Canadiens, who lost to the Ottawa Senators last night 5-1 in a really um, ugly loss for, for Montreal on home ice. Um, but cr credit to Winnipeg. I still think this team... Honestly, I think Winnipeg, they've had trouble with Edmonton this year. I think they'd rather play Toronto, but Montreal, Toronto, I think a lot of teams are clamoring, or a lot of fans are clamoring for that. I think Winnipeg, Edmonton would be a tough matchup, but if Winnipeg can come back, they get Adam Lowry back healthy, they can get their uh, Nick Euler's back. I give them a good chance of beating the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, Edmonton's been on a tear, but they, you know, this week, Edmonton played. Uh, if you count Monday, Tuesday, they play again tonight, Edmonton, they play Saturday, all four of those games against the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver is just done. You know, they, they have nothing left in the tank. They're just playing their games to, to play their games because they have to coming back from COVID and they weren't a good team to begin with. I mean, it's just a stat padding fest for Dreisaitl and McDavid. McDavid's now got 93 points, I believe with five games left. So he'll, he's going to be looking to get to a hundred point plateau in 56 games, which would be an incredible feat. 
you know, to see uh, McDavid get to 100 points and to see Austin Matthews get to 40 goals in 56 games would, would both be incredible uh, achievements for them this year. And I, I believe both of them will be nominated for a Hart Trophy. In the Western Conference, St. Louis had the ability to clinch a playoff spot last night, but they lost to the Anaheim Ducks in a shootout. So they um, they come within a point of clinching. They will have the opportunity to do that tomorrow night against Vegas as they head to Vegas, um, which potentially could be a first-round playoff matchup. Vegas gets a, a 3-2 win over the Minnesota Wild in overtime with Alex Petrangelo netting his fifth of the season. But you know Colorado loses, so it hurts the chances of seeing this matchup. But Vegas against Minnesota would be great. I, mean, I watched that whole game last night. I think it was, it, it's you see the physical play. These two teams don't like each other. Minnesota is not afraid of Vegas. And I don't think they'd be afraid of Colorado. But I like stylistically, I like Minnesota's chances of beating Vegas more than I do of them beating Colorado. Now, I still think Vegas would win against Minnesota. But I think that goes six, seven games. And it's a t- tightly fought battle where if Cam Talbot can hold up and you get some of these creative plays, I mean, Kaprizov had two goals last night. He gets to 26. Another interesting thing would be to watch, can he get to 30? Uh, tw- only a few games left, but, you know, the guy scores in bunches. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him get to 30 goals. And I suspect he will, he will win the Calder Trophy, especially because, you know, you got Dallas who looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. And, um, Kaprizov, he's on a team that makes the playoffs and a coach is nominated for the Jack Adams. It's hard not to give him the call of the trophy. But St. Louis, they need a Arizona loss last night, but if they get a point or Arizona loses ne- their next game, St. Louis will clinch a playoff spot um, and go ahead back into the postseason after really a, a tough season, but they've turned the corner here in the last uh, month. Um, also, Nashville could have clinched the playoff spot last night with a victory. But they did not. They lost to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, which is a frustrating loss for them. They got two games remaining on their schedule. They play Carolina twice to end the season. Dallas is still in, in the fight here. They lose to Tampa Bay last night. They got three games left. They got Tampa. And then um, you know, they got Tampa again Friday. They need to win that game and hope they get some help here that uh, Nashville can uh, lose. They play Friday, Saturday, end their season. They need to hope that um, – Nashville can get a few losses and that they win, win out um, and make the playoffs. So they're, they're hoping for some luck, but we see Tyler Sega come back. He's got goals and back-to-back games. He's doing what he can. Jason Robertson, who I mentioned, continues to produce. But Tampa Bay, they're just finding wins right now. They don't have Stamkos. They don't have Kucherov. But uh, Vasilevsky skilled back his minutes. Uh, McElhaney played both games over the weekend, but it's, it's, it's interesting because um, it, it looks like it's going to be Tampa against Florida. Tampa's got three games left on their schedule. They got uh, Dallas Friday. Then they finish their season against Florida Saturday and Monday. So it could come down to those two games. And if t- uh, Florida could win the pair in, in regulation, it'll, it'll likely decide who gets home ice advantage because it looks like Carolina is going to finish first. And if they continue to win, they're going to win the president's trophy. I suspect Rob Brendamore will win the Jack Adams as coach of the year as well. So a couple of interesting developments around the NHL when it comes to seeding, clinching playoff spots, there's still some to be decided, but a lot of the races are locked up. It's just about seeding at this point. And like we're all as fans waiting for the playoffs to come because I know myself, I'm getting a little bit tired of some of these games, seeing these teams play each other over and over and over again. Toronto Maple Leafs, I can't go a day without mentioning them. They do have some news. Uh, Nick Foligno is is injured. He's going to miss minimum the next two games. He's got an upper body injury, but it looked originally looked like a lower body injury, so that didn't make much sense to me, but he's out minimum two games. Um, he's obviously been playing with Matthews and Martin on the top line with Zach Hyman out. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Alex Galchenyuk get another look up there. Um, it doesn't really matter. They, they're going to the playoffs. They're going to be the number one seed. They're just playing through the, the motions right now, playing the games they need to. They play Montreal um, tonight, and then they play Montreal again Saturday. And the Toronto season only ends next Friday, a week from tomorrow, against the Winnipeg Jets. They Them and the Jets play the last game of the season. So the – Schedule makers will have to be interesting because Tampa or sorry, Florida has done their regular season 
Monday. So is Tampa. A lot of the teams are done Monday and Canada and a few other teams out West Minnesota and uh, Colorado have to play later, but it'll be interesting to see what the NHL decides to do with their schedule because you don't want teams sitting around forever and holding it up for the likes of uh, Vancouver and Calgary to play some games who are inconsequential and will not be in the playoffs. That's, that's a tough sell for, for any fan base. Um, so Nick Foligno's injured. He's going to be up minimum too. Also, Frederick Anderson is heading to the American Hockey League on a conditioning stint, and he should he's going to play about half a game today uh, for the Toronto Marlies. That game's actually going to be televised, oddly enough, because they're playing the Manitoba Moose. That game's going to be on TV. So Frederick Anderson, who has not played in over two months, will get back on the ice um, today, play in some game action. And the reason he's not playing in the NHL level is because of the salary cap. They don't have the money to move around. They don't want to put David Riddick on, on waivers. So Freddie's basically being sent down there because they don't have a place for him to play. Activating him, they would need to put a player on long-term IR. They could do that to Nick Foligno because he does make five and a half million. But if he's back in time before the playoffs and he's on long-term injury, you got to miss a minimum of 10 games. So Toronto's not going to risk that with Foligno. He would miss playoff time. So he he's going to stay put for now. Um, and Freddie's going to get some action down there, but really what Freddie's, what Freddie's doing down there is being prepared in case Jack Campbell falters. You don't want, I think Jack Campbell has earned the right to be a number one guy in the playoffs. Do I have faith that he can do it for the whole get 16 wins? No, I don't. Um, he's never had a playoff start. He's been good, but not great as a, as a Maple Leaf this season. I, you know, I think the team in front of him is pretty good. I think people forget that. The defense, of course, a lot better this season than you know any that Freddie Anderson has had in the past. But you want Freddie Anderson available because, again, I think they'll have to play both goaltenders if they go on a deep run, even if it's a short run. If you lose a couple games, you get desperate, and you'll throw Freddie Anderson in there because you know him and you feel like he'll make a save here. You see that from teams all the time. You know, you're uh, a team that's inferior and you play a team in the playoffs and you're down 2-0, you'll make that change in goalie and – or insert a player into the lineup that was a healthy scratch for a long time because you have nothing to lose because you're, you know, you're playing for your life. And I think we will see both Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell in the net at some point for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the postseason, whether they go on a deep run to a conference final or, you know, they're teeing it up on the golf course uh, June 1st. So we'll see what happens there. Um. Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night was interesting for me. Um, interesting for the game of baseball. And Tuesday marked a reunion. And it was the first time the Astros had returned to Yankee Stadium with fans since it came out in 2019 that they were caught cheating during, during this 2017 World Series run that they were on. And what they were doing is they were smashing garbage cans to tip pitches and they were stealing signs and... Um, they, Rob Manfred basically said, come out, admit to it, but I'm going to give you guys full immunity. So they did not get a fine. They did not get any suspensions. They did not get stripped of their title, but they, they admitted to being frauds and cheating the game. But last season, it was going to be the year where the Astros took a whole bunch of beatings from fans, but they couldn't because of the COVID-19 pandemic and people couldn't boo them. So last night or Tuesday night, they go back to Yankee stadium. Only 10,000 people in the Bronx, but it doesn't take much. New Yorkers are loud. New Yorkers are emotional, and especially Yankees fans. A lot of, I guess, a lot of New Yorkers are. We talked about the Rangers earlier in their fan base, so that's a theme here today. Um, and Jose Altuve, who's really the face of the Houston Astros, he's won the MVP in their 2017 season where they won the World Series, batted over 340, great player. But, you know, in the last two seasons since being caught cheating, he's batting 222 with only um, 11 home runs and an on-base percentage that's below the um, below league average. So he's been terrible since being caught. And his first at-bat Tuesday night, he comes to the plate, and all you hear is, fuck Altuve, fuck Altuve. And it, it was a sight to behold for sure because – you don't hear that often. I mean, the, the telecast had to block it out, but 
Jose Altuve hearing fuck Altuve the whole time and interesting development uh, for sure. And, you know, funny enough, the Yankees win. You do see a little uh, unfortunate set of circumstances where um, Martin Maldonado gets run into, um, gets a knee to the skull trying to uh, tag a guy. It was not a dirty play, just unfortunate. But the Astros are going to face this all year. doesn't matter where they go. Fans are going to tell them what they think. Dusty Baker was not the manager when this was happening, but I think he just needs to let it happen. If you're Altuve and Bregman, don't complain about it because that just makes people happier. It knows you're getting to them. They just need to go out there and play ball. And, you know, the Astros are 14 and 17 right now. They've lost the first two or three of this series to the New York Yankees. Yankees uh, were on a slide to begin the season. They're starting to turn it around a bit. We see Giancarlo Stanton. He's finding his game again. Here's a little stat of the day for you. 2019-2020, Giancarlo Stanton hit a combined seven home runs. Missed a lot of games, but he only hit a combined seven home runs. So far, playing 24 games in 2021, Giancarlo Stanton has hit seven home runs. When this guy is healthy, he is still one of the most lethal hitters in baseball because of how strong this guy is. He can lean all the way back and he hit the ball 480, 480 feet out of the park. And we start to see him, but he's, he's got the power game, but he's got four RBIs in the two game series because he's getting singles. He's hitting the ball to the left. You see guys in the shift. They, they just ground out every play and, and their batting average stinks. But you see the left side open, take advantage of it. Last night, Anthony Rizzo against the Dodgers. He sees the lefts open in the bottom of the 11th. He hits a ball to the left. Nobody's there. They score in the play that the, the uh, Cubs come back and win. Use what's there. And if Giancarlo Stanton can stay healthy, I think he can have a huge season for New York Yankees. They still have Garrett Cole. Aaron Judge needs to stay healthy as well. But I think this is a little bit of karma. They finished that series today, and I'm sure the Astros will be looking forward to, to leaving. They'll head home and start a series with the Blue Jays on uh, tomorrow night. But uh, it was just interesting to see uh, the interaction between the Yankees fans in the Bronx and the Astros. Um, the Astros handle it decently, but also Dusty Baker. You just need to take it on the chin. You're, the team, a lot of the players on that team that you have cheated, and they need to own it and just kind of deal with it and not have you say, well, you know, this is unfair. Well, it was unfair when they cheated. So just take it on the chin. The Los Angeles Dodgers are just continue to slide. Um, it, it's crazy. You know, the way they started, 13-3, and three, look like gangbusters. They got swept by the Chicago Cubs this week and you know, no disrespect to the Chicago Cubs, but Chicago Cubs were terrible coming into this. There's three and a half back at first in the NL central. And again, Dodgers get some tough luck. Dustin may one of their rotation pieces going to need Tommy John. Their bats aren't that consistent right now. They get a big lead last night, but their bullpen has just been a disaster for, for the Dodgers. Kenley Jansen continues to have his struggles. And, you know, just the Cubs took what was available to them. I mentioned Rizzo hitting the, hitting the ball to the left. You see it's open there. Hitters that can adapt and do that effectively will be the best hitters in the game. But do I think the Dodgers have turned around? Of course. You know, the Giants have, have lost two or three to the Colorado Rockies. Um, the Padres get a win last night against the Pirates. So this division should stay competitive all year. I'm, I'm hoping it does because these teams are really compelling to watch. And again, you want to see stars play. I think Giancarlo Stanton can be a star. I think he's got some personality. Garrett Cole on the mound. You got Fernando Tatis Jr., who we touched on last night in the podcast. But the Dodgers need to find their game quick here because they're not playing great, great baseball. Um, and Clayton Kershaw got roughed up yesterday. Um, they they got to hope for the they got to hope for a turnaround here. They don't need to panic by any means. It's a 162-game season, but you lose a starter. Do you go out and look for one? Does David Price come out of the bullpen? They have some decisions to make um, down the line here when it comes to how they put their team together and what kind of lineup they're uh, putting on the field day in and day out. Toronto Blue Jays also made some uh, moves. They, um, they had to put Alejandro Kirk, their catcher, on uh, injured reserve. So they put him on IR. They recalled Reese McGuire from their AAA site. They uh, called up Jonathan Davis. 
And last night, right before first pitch, they put George Springer, the highest paid free agent in the history of the Blue Jays franchise, on a 10-day IL, 10-day injured list. And he has not played a single game this season at center field for the Blue Jays. It looked like he was going to turn around Saturday. He had a two-home run game. I mentioned this in the podcast Monday and Sunday. He had to leave the game uh, against uh, the Braves because he looked like he hurt himself in the box. They said it was fatigue. Then Monday, they're in a pinch hit scenario. He didn't pinch hit because uh, Charlie Montoya said, well, he's not ready after seeing before the game. No, it's just it's just a rest night. So these injuries are starting to become a concern because you want George Springer playing center field game in, game out. Number one, he's a really good defender. You don't want him to take up a DH spot. Um, you like the option of if Rowdy Tellez can get hot in AAA, you recall him back up to your team. He starts playing he starts playing DH again, or even having the ability to put Marcus Simeon as a DH on some nights where you got Biggio playing second, Bichette um, is uh, occupying shortstop. That's that's some good options to have. And it, I don't know if it's a quad, what it is right now when it comes to his injuries, but it's got to be a cause for concern for the Blue Jays because he is the face of your franchise now when it comes to free agents. I think it's Vladdy Guerrero Jr., and Bo Bichette, who are both playing well. But for all, I'll give them credit. For all their injuries and all the problems they've had early in the season, there's still a game over 500, and you'll take that right now. Uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, Orioles, Rays, these teams aren't doing fantastic either. Um, Rays have won first two or three of their series against the Los Angeles Angels, so you can take that. But, again, it's going to be a dogfight all year. None of these teams are, are perfect by any means. But the Blue Jays are without George Springer. They without Alejandro Kirk, but they do get, um, they finished their series today, this afternoon against the Oakland athletics. Um, and the, you know, they'll get on the Hill, they'll play some good baseball, but we'll see what happens. They got the Astros this weekend. Um, they head to Houston. So we'll see what, um, what the Astros have in store after a, a tough series against the New York Yankees. So that brings, we talked about drama beginning of the, of the podcast this is going to bring us more drama here. It's Aaron Rodgers. And the last week from today, it was about four, four o'clock. It was reported by Adam Schefter that Aaron Rodgers has told team personnel that he is not returning to the Green Bay Packers. And that he's told teammates that he's done in Green Bay. Um, he may become back if they fire their GM, Brian Gutekust. But it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. I mean, that shouldn't happen. A, a player should not have the ability to fire a general manager if he wants to. But it's interesting because now Aaron Rodgers is due a roster bonus after June 1st. You can't see a trade happening before then. But it sounds more and more like Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded. And I, I do that through reports. You know, Rob Domoski, he covers the, the, pa- the Packers for ESPN. He's one of the best in the game. He, he said on the Dan Patrick show yesterday that he believes that Aaron Rodgers, about a 5% chance that Aaron Rodgers is a starting quarterback come week one next season for the Green Bay Packers. Peter King, a reporter for NBC, was also on the Dan Patrick show. He said, I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be at center for the New York, for the Green Bay Packers next year. Now, it could go a couple different ways. Number one, Green Bay could say, we're not, we're not trading you. You know, you're a quarterback of the future. We drafted Jordan Love, but get over it. Um, you know, this has happened to teams before. The big problem and why Aaron Rodgers is so petty right now is because he did not know that Green Bay was trading up to draft Jordan Love in last year's draft. They traded up at 24 to draft Jordan Love, where they could have traded trade up at 24 and draft a receiver or running back, a skill position player to help Aaron Rodgers, but yet you draft his replacement. And the last nine drafts, they've drafted eight defensive players and his quarterback. So no receivers to help him directly. We've seen them draft well, and Vadas Scantling was a fifth-round pick. He turned it around. Devontae Adams was not in the first round. He's turned into a huge find. Uh, Alan Lazard uh, was undrafted. So, you know, they do find rags and turn it into riches. But, again, they don't do a lot to help him. But just for context, Tom Brady was given a heads-up that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to draft Kyle Trask if he was still available at the end of the second round, which they did in the draft. Kirk D. Cousins, Jr. the third, 
um, was told by the Minnesota Vikings brass that they were looking to trade up for Justin Fields. They couldn't pull that off and that they were going to draft a quarterback. They did Texas A&M quarterback, Kellen Mond. These are quarterbacks who have less, you know, cousins for sure. He is Andy Dalton was told the bears told him we're trading up for Justin Fields. These last two names, cousins, Andy Dalton, the red rifle, they have less, way less cachet than Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers did not get that, that courtesy. And, and I understand that from him. And, you know, he just got engaged to Shailene Woodley, who's an actress. I doubt she wants to live in the frozen tundra and freezer, you know, ass off in Green Bay. And I think, you know, Aaron would like to be closer to LA where she works. And, you know, he grew up in the San Francisco area. I think originally he wanted to go to San Francisco because that's, you know, it's near his home, near his home originally. It's not that far from LA. So it's the best of both worlds. But at the time, San Francisco was looking at acquiring Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay said, no, we're not trading him. And then, you know, San Francisco had to move on from that. They trade their picks. They go up and get the third overall pick and they select Trey Lance. Now, there, I still think there are teams that would take a flyer that would trade for Aaron Rodgers right now. You'd be crazy if you didn't. And number one on the list for me is the Denver Broncos. They've been searching for a quarterback since Peyton Manning. John Elway has not had any success at drafting a quarterback. The one time he went up and signed a veteran, he won a Super Bowl. So maybe you look at it and say, okay, I get Aaron Rodgers. We have a track team receivers in Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant, who looks like a stud tight end young in his career. We got a team here. We got running backs. Our offensive line starting to uh, get back together. Vaughn Miller's coming back from injury. So is Bradley Chubb. We can do this. Denver's definitely a, a possibility. Then you got the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas, um, you know, John Gruden loves every quarterback he doesn't have. But Derek Carr has been solid for them. But Aaron Rodgers is better. Can you go get Aaron Rodgers with the likes of Darren Waller, with Josh Jacobs at running back, with their strong offensive line? In a new stadium, not a bad sell from old Lloyd Christmas and John Gruden to say, we got Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game here in our jersey. Those two names stand out. I think the, I heard the Miami Dolphins were in there. I don't see that. I think they're, they got too, uh, they're comfortable with him at quarterback. So there, there are a few teams. I mean, teams would be looking at, at Aaron Rodgers for sure and say, you know, what, what's it going to cost me? Um, reported yesterday that two first and a second I think it would be way more than that because that's basically what Jamal Adams a safety was traded for last year um but it's a lot of drama in, in Green Bay and, and around the world of sports right now and I if I had to read on it I don't think he'll be the Packers quarterback next year another cool stat of the day Bart Starr played for the Green Bay Packers for 16 seasons Brett Favre was the quarterback for the uh, Green Bay Packers for 16 seasons. Aaron Rodgers has been a Green Bay Packer for 16 seasons. No starting quarterback has played 17 seasons in Green Bay. So if history tells us anything, Aaron Rodgers will be elsewhere. Um, he's not going to be able to go to LA team. The Chargers are not going to be trading for him. They got Justin Herbert. They got their guy. San Francisco has Trey Lance. The Rams have Matthew Stafford. So the closest thing to that is probably Vegas. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I would not be surprised to see Vegas try to get Aaron Rodgers to come there. It's out West Denver against colder climate, longer flights. Vegas gets you in that Pacific time zone, at least. And you'll have a quick commute on off days to go see uh, Shailene Woodley going from Vegas to LAX. Um, but yeah, if I had to guess, I don't I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be the quarterback for Green Bay next year. I don't know if necessarily Jordan Love will be the quarterback either because he was the third string quarterback last year. A lot of games he was you know deactivated. He wasn't even dressed. They had Tim Boyle as their backup quarterback. So did they go inquire a veteran? If they traded Aaron Rodgers, I could see uh, Green Bay saying, well, we could go trade for Gardner Minshew, who could be a stopgap quarterback. We start Jordan Love after week seven or eight, like um, what happened to Minshew last year um, in Jacksonville. So we'll see. Still a lot to be decided. Again, it, it's some craziness right now in the world of sports. A lot of it based around New York teams, but uh, also in in um, in Wisconsin with 
with Aaron Rodgers looking like he's on his way out the door, but he's still there. The team still wants him apparently. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I think by June, we'll have a better idea of if he's going to get moved. And I think for him, if they, if they come out and say, we're not trading you, he really wants out of green Bay. He needs to be transparent. He needs to go either on his direct social media or go on a show and say, I'm demanding a trade out of green Bay and I'll sit out if I have to, or I'll retire because I'm not staying here anymore. I'm sick of it. I want to feel like an, an equal partnership. I want some respect in this, in this relationship. And you want more power to him. I think he, he's coming off as a baby and a little petty right now, but you know, it's his career. He only got one. And if you don't want to spend the last number of years in green Bay, well, do what you got to do. But that's really going to do it for today's podcast. Uh, we got the Wells Fargo golf tournament starting up today. We got some NHL action tonight where teams um, are still looking. Carolina looked to build on their presence trophy campaign. You got Toronto, Montreal again tonight. Uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, which who can't wait for that matchup. Also some big NBA games where we got uh, Matt, Dallas Mavericks playing the Brooklyn Nets. We got the Lakers and Clippers, even without LeBron James. He'll be out tonight and tomorrow against the Trailblazers. Two huge games as they try to avoid the play-in. So a lot of great sports on today. Enjoy all of it. Um, everybody, I'll be back tomorrow morning to talk about everything that happened uh, this evening and get into more um, from the world of sports. But until then, everybody stay safe, take care, and we'll talk soon.